welcome to the Chronic Sex Podcast. Chronic Sex talks about how self-love, relationships, sex, and sexuality are all affected by chronic illness and disability. That's not all, though. We'll also touch on intersectionality, social justice, empathy, current events, and much, much more. Given the range of subject matter, this podcast is not suitable for those under the age of 18, and unless you have headphones, you probably shouldn't be listening to us at work. My name's Kirsten Schultz, and I'm your host. My loves, how are you? I missed you so much. Um, I... First, just want to take a minute to apologize. It's been a minute since there was a new episode. Um, my health got really scary. I'm not going to lie. Things got really scary for a little bit. And um, I needed to take time and step back and handle that. Kind of the biggest thing... Um, I had a a lot of tests that I just underwent from an endoscopy and colonoscopy to swallow tests and heart monitors. Um, And, you know, there's been a lot that's come out of that. Kind of the biggest thing is we know I have a very rapid and irregular heartbeat, which is kind of terrifying. And I need to message my rheumatologist about a referral she offered to cardiology, which I'm not doing because I'm scared. (laughs) And maybe now that I've said it out loud, uh, people will think it's something we need to handle. Um, keep me accountable. But, um, I have also been diagnosed with a swallowing disorder, which means I need to use straws which means using plastic straws. So I've been dealing with internet scuffle around that. Um, And, you know, just just kind of a lot of life things. I went to the Poly Dallas conference. I think that was, yeah, that that was in this time period without an episode and um, had a wonderful time. I got to meet some of my favorite people um, in the entire world. While I was there, including Robin Wilson Beatty, who is just a fantastic person, and I love her to death. Um, she writes under the handle Sex Abled. So go find her because she's amazing. But um, throughout kind of being there, spending time with my college best friend, all of these things, um, also realizing that my symptoms line up with mast cell activation syndrome, which I am on medication for now. And I actually have like a schedule that's getting to where I don't have horrifying allergic reactions every day, which is really nice. I could, I could keep that. I can keep doing that. But, uh, that's kind of the big stuff that's kind of been going on here. And and why I haven't been around. So I'm sorry. Um, the other good news is now the podcast is back. And the chat is back as well. So make sure that you um, go to hashtag chronic sex on Twitter. Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, which is 5 p.m. Pacific. 
and uh, come join the chat. Last week, um, I had some friends from the Beautiful Bodies podcast join in and co-host, and it was a lot of fun. We talked about body positivity, and I'm not sure what I'm doing for this week's. <laughs> I realize it's Wednesday night as I'm recording this, and this goes up on Thursday, and chat is Thursday night. I'll figure it out. This is what happens. I wing a lot of stuff. <laughs> now you know my secret. Um, a couple of exciting things that have gone on in the last couple weeks, too. Um, the, the first is I actually got the email today that I'm a finalist for um, the WeGo Health Activist Awards in the Best in Show blog category. So they've narrowed down from literally thousands of people down to five of us, and I made the five, which is weird. It's very odd. I'm grateful. I know I put in a lot of work on things, but my imposter syndrome is kicking in big time, and I don't know how I got this, but it's cool. It's good. I'm celebrating it. Um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting since I haven't been hanging around the same people and, you know, promoting that. So that's part of why it feels surprising to me. Um, you know, the one year I don't really pay attention to the awards, I like wind up being a finalist, but I think that also shows the power of paving your own path and, uh, doing your own thing and not worrying about what everyone else is doing, which is nice. Um, if you haven't seen, I've been quoted in a couple articles. Um, one from Bustle about eight things you should never say to someone with a chronic health condition. And another from Everyday Feminism, although I think I talked about this one already, about how the institution of marriage is really ableist. So I'll put links to those in the show notes for your perusal. The um, last really big thing is that I wrote part of a chapter that's in a book that just came out. Um, what? It's from NYU Press. And um, I think I said NYC Press at something the other day which is why I'm stammering. It's fine. But um, it's a book called Biocitizenship, The Politics of Bodies, Governance, and Power. The rest of the book looks absolutely amazing. I'm thrilled to have gotten a free copy for writing my part. Um, I wrote it so long ago that it's also weird to like read it and go, wow, that's really good. And then go, no, you wrote that. Like, <laughs> It's okay to be proud of that. Um, but I'm super eager to dig through it, and I'm really grateful um, to my friend Marina, who is one of the editors of the book, for asking um, a couple patients to include our voices around like ownership of patient data and what it means to be an engaged patient and all that stuff. It's really fun. Um, uh, one quick thing to plug before we kind of dive into the episode, is um, upcoming event on September 16th from 10 a.m. to noon. I am doing a free workshop at Smitten Kitten in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
Um, it's the Hurt So Good workshop, which is kind of just around um, how chronic pain, chronic illness, disability can affect our sex lives, um, even in some ways we don't think of, and then what we can do to fight against that and not let you know, those things touch our intimate lives as much as possible. It's really fun. I really love um, spending time with Smitten Kitten and um, all of my friends that live in Minneapolis. It's like a three and a half, four hour drive for me, but it seems much quicker than the like two hour drive to downtown Milwaukee or the three hour drive to Chicago. Um, it just feels close. The scenery is beautiful. I have a great time when I'm there. Um, I always eat Parkway pizza. It's my absolute favorite. <laughs> and I'm really thrilled to be there. This workshop is free, but you do have to save a spot. So you need to RSVP and you can do that by emailing info at smittenkittenonline.com or by calling 612-721-6088. This is an interesting thing that's never happened to me before, but um, we weren't actually going to have this workshop because we already had another iteration of it in August, and it filled up in a week. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm very excited to be um, so wanted and and to have people want to talk about this topic I think it's so important and um they are potentially talking about bringing me back in October as well so keep that in mind if you're not able to attend this one I think the one last big thing and then I actually will get to the episode is I just created a tea public store And like by just, I mean within the last six hours. So it's not super set up yet. But if you go to TeePublic, it's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C dot com slash stores slash chronic dash sex, you will be able to find, uh, right now it's just kind of like designs that I like. And that I think fit for our community. So um, there's a lot of sexy things in there. There's unicorns. There's Rainbow Dash. Um, there's a there's one that's like Rainbow Dash's hair, and it's as queer as fuck. And I'm so here for it. Um, there are also great shirts in there by people like Brie May and um, Annie Sagara, who are some of my absolute favorite. Um, chronic illness and disability advocates. So definitely check that out. I will put the link in the show notes for you to peruse. Eventually, I'm going to have my own shirts on there as well, and you can snag merch. So that'll be super fun. And I'm freaking out, but it's it's a good freak out. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, with with all that said, this week I am talking to my friend Amy. She blogs at a site called coffeeandkink.me. Um, she also has a Patreon, patreon.com slash coffeeandkink. And the episode today was really fun to um, 
to record. I had a blast. We had about half an hour of technical issues um, before we got to recording, but it was absolutely one of the funnest episodes I've ever recorded, and um, Amy's just fantastic. I highly suggest going and checking out her work, especially um, one of the things that she does a lot of is writing erotica, and she says she doesn't really like to do it because it, like, she's worried about kind of how she's writing it, or she feels a lot of pressure to write it well, and all that stuff. We talk about it in the episode, um, but it's really good. I don't really read erotica that much, so maybe my opinion's not super useful, but it's really good. (laughs) Um, And definitely, you know, make sure you listen for the end of the episode. We talk about this Smutathon project that she's run a couple years in a row now, and it's definitely something that I think everybody should hear because it's really cool. All right, with that said, I will turn it over to past me and Amy. I am so happy to have you on the show today, Amy. How are you? Hi, I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. You know, I'm so excited. I woke up this morning and was like, it's Saturday. I get to talk to Amy. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I can live up to expectations then. <laughs> well, uh, our our technical journey has been interesting this morning. So it's, it's already been a bit off. Of a mission. Yeah, it's already off to an interesting start. Interesting isn't bad. <laughs> um. For people who don't know you, even though they absolutely should, um, what can you tell them about yourselves? Like, what what do you um, like to write about? What's your site? How did you start blogging? All of that fun stuff. Oh, gosh. Okay. Wow. All of that stuff. (laughs) I mean, Um, not all of it, but, you know. (laughs) Um, yeah, so um, my name is Amy Norton. Um, I'm a sex blogger, sex writer, erotica, author. Yeah, all of that stuff. My site is called Coffee and Kink um, because they are my two favorite things. So it's coffeeandkink.me um, and the blog is on there and there's also kind of resources and, and bits and bobs for people who are looking at getting into um, sort of BDSM, sex positivity, kink, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I have always been a writer. I have been writing stories for as long as I can remember. Um, I did a a bachelor's degree and then a master's degree in creative writing. Um, Hopefully doing a PhD in creative writing soon, which is really exciting. Um, And uh, it was kind of amazing, really, now I look back, that it took me until the age of 26 to think, I'm fascinated by sex and I'm a writer. Sex blog. Um, but, but that's what happened. I, a, a few years ago, I was writing, um, a blog regularly about, um, my adventures in polyamory and non-monogamy. Um, and I took that one down in the end for various reasons, um, largely because a lot of the, um, stuff on it was about a particular relationship that ended very, very badly. Um, and took a couple of years off blogging. That was fine. But then I, I really wanted to get back into it. So, um, I just, suddenly decided one day I'm going to start a sex blog and see what happens and and it it took off in a way that I never really expected it to which is bizarre and amazing but 
I'm having a lot of fun and I love it. It's you are such a fantastic writer. Um, oh, thank you. I was reading some of your erotica that you've written on there and got a little hot and bothered this morning. It was it was a really <laughs> uh, it was a really nice surprise, you know. Um, and it's just written so well. Um, oh, thank you. And I absolutely love the variety that you have on your site. Um, you know, from the erotica to toy reviews to um, how to handle a scene in BDSM if you've goofed up. And <laughs> just some of these amazing resources that I think we really need in the sex ed community, in the kink community. Um, and it's just amazing to me. I know that this has taken off really quickly for you, but it's also somehow amazing to me that you're not even bigger than you are. Like, <laughs> you know, like reading your stuff, I'm like, oh my God, this needs to get so much more exposure. And thank you. Absolutely it wonderful. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I do. I do a bigger variety of stuff now than I initially set out to do. Um, my initial sort of idea was to be very much a sort of um, kind of very kind of kink and BDSM focused and just stick with that and do sort of um, advice posts and a little bit about my personal experiences and leave it at that. Um, never planned to do toy reviews, said I wasn't going to do toy reviews and then that ended up happening. Um, never really massively intended to do much fiction on there and then that took off as well. So there's a lot more to it now than... I thought there was going to be, but I think that's good because there's kind of something on and some people, you know, come for the reviews and that's it. Some people like the fiction. Some people just want the advice. Um, there's probably some poor soul out there who reads every single word I ever write and whoever you are, I love you. Um, but you know, there's kind of, yeah, something for everyone. That's what I, that's what I go for anyway. Yeah. It's really amazing. Um, also to see how much your partner is involved uh i really love oh, that. bless him he's so supportive and wonderful <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic um i know that for toy reviews that i've done people have asked like if i'd be open to you know testing a penis oriented toy with my partner and i I actually honestly haven't figured out how to broach that conversation with him, but um, <laughs> to see that like your partner is so supportive in that way and so invested in this work that you're doing is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I mean, we when when I first obviously I've been writing for a lot longer than I've than I've known him, and he's always been kind of supportive of that, but. Um, when I started the blog, it was it's really easy to remember my blog anniversary because it was actually New Year's Eve. Oh. Um, and he, we were staying in because we're boring like that. And he was he was working and I was writing this this blog post. And um, he, he came in at one point and I said, hey, babe, I started a sex blog. <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me and went, oh, OK, cool. <laughs> Have fun with that. Um, and. Yeah, then when I started doing the, the toy reviews and wanting to test things kind of with him, he was very supportive and very happy to very happy to put odd things on his genitals in the name of journalism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
and now he just thinks it's really funny um you know i get like boxes and boxes of, t- of toys shipped to me and he just he just thinks it's hilarious he'll just be like you got another vibrator in the post again <laughs> that's awesome yeah Slightly awkward when we went on holiday and, and a post and a, and a parcel of toys and in, in, in addressed to me and my blogger name arrived and his mother intercepted it. <gasps> it was she she just texted us and said, um, there's a parcel here for Amy Norton and which is not my legal name, funnily enough. And um and we we, we just kinda of looked at each other and went, Oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> But we just said we were holding it for a friend and it was fine and she hasn't asked any more questions. So we figured it's, it's probably, yeah. Um, <laughs> awkward questions averted. Good. That's good. That <laughs> would be mortifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I I was playing on your site because that's what I do. And, um, you know, noticed how many posts you have on there about like group sex and being polyamorous. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing kind of your journey to polyamory. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I have never actually been in a monogamous relationship as an adult. That's awesome. Um, I, my first long-term partner, um, we were together for six years and we were engaged for a while. Um, I mean, we were together from when I was 15. Um, And when I was 18, he was a couple of years older. When I was 18, we opened up our relationship. Um, Initially in quite a limited capacity. Um, Originally, the point of it was I sort of started to realize that I was bisexual and that I wanted to, you know, explore um, relationships with women. And that was fine. Um, so we sort of opened up initially in that capacity and I started dating a woman who I was I was seeing for a few months. Um, and then it just kind of went from from there, really. And eventually we we sort of took the, the sort of small steps to get there. But eventually we got to the point where we were pretty much completely open. Um, and that relationship ended and I've had a couple of others since then, including one sort of very long term prior to. Um, my current partner, who is known as Mr. CK on the blog, because I'm not very good at coming up with hilarious nicknames. And <laughs> um, um, we've been we've been open since the beginning. We've always um, the the kind of form that that takes has evolved over the years. I mean, now we we live together. Um, we're not legally married, but we we are in all but law. We live as if we are, um, and. Um, but when we started out, we were long distance. We lived 100 miles apart and only saw each other on weekends. So it was very different then to how it looks now. Um, but yeah, it, it, it works well. I think we've come to a good place. That's really cool. Um, I like that that's kind of been your norm, too. Yeah, it's just, it always has been. I, I don't think that I could be in a closed relationship now I don't think I could be happy in a completely closed relationship there's just I mean I I really value commitment and long-term relationships and and those kind of very sort of entangled um yeah sort of you know life entangled living together relationships and that's what we have and that's wonderful um but there's too many sexy people out there and I don't want to commit to just one for the rest of my life um 
and thankfully I found someone who who feels the same way so we get to have this amazing like very bonded um nesting living together relationship but also explore outside of that kind of together and separately which is really cool so we're we're poly swinger kinksters with the 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 trio (laughs) that's awesome it's so cool to see um and like I can hear it in your voice you know how close the two of you are and how um you know how you've approached the situation both as a couple and as individuals and it's just so cool it's absolutely cool thank you there's been there's been some interesting things to navigate along the way, um, but I think we're I think we're at a good I think we're at a good point now. How do you feel um, being polyamorous or or swinging or anything like that affects your mental health? Do you feel like it's um, you know benefited your mental health? Does it hurt it? Is it like a mixed bag? Um. I mean, broadly speaking, I think it's been a massive benefit. Um, there are things that are more challenging as a result of having a slightly wonky mental health sometimes. I mean, sometimes, um, you know, if things like jealousy or envy or insecurity come up, that can be harder to navigate as a person with depression and anxiety and all of that fun stuff. Um, but overall I think there's been a a massive net benefit to my mental health from being non-monogamous because partly because I don't have to hide or feel guilty about who I am I mean when you know previously I mean years ago when I was with my first boyfriend before we opened up I would feel really guilty whenever I was attracted to anyone else and I and I never cheated and I would never cheat but I I felt guilty for even thinking about it do you know what I mean yeah absolutely but having that freedom to just be honest is really, really important. And obviously, the other thing that you get from good non-monogamy is this big extended support network. So now there's lots of people who, you know, we take care of each other and we lean on each other. And it's really lovely. So, I mean, overall, definitely, it's a plus from a mental health perspective. That's really cool. And it's, um, it's also really nice to hear on the end of like beginning that journey myself and um you know knowing that I've had very similar situations where I feel guilty because I think this person is cute or because Mm -hmm. I'm attracted to this person and like you said there are way too many sexy people out there (laughs) so many (laughs) so many and so many of them are people we know and like interact with like all the time on social media or in person and so it it gets really difficult right to kind of feel like you can handle that guilt or any sort of feelings of jealousy or anything like that especially with depression and anxiety like I know I get anxious about feeling guilty which then makes me feel more anxious and like right and it's and it spirals yeah yeah I know that feeling. Yeah, it's not my favorite. 10 out of 10 <laughs> would not do again. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, how do you feel about kink and your mental health? Do you feel like, I, I always feel like kink is super beneficial. 
Oh, absolutely. Kink has always been massively, massively important for my mental health. Um, honestly, I think the only times really that there's been any kind of downside in that department is when I was younger and I was first exploring it and I hadn't really found the community. I just had this massive sense of shame that there's something wrong with me and I'm I'm a freak for liking these things and wanting these things. And I've never forgotten going to uh, uh, an event. It was actually an event focused on bisexuality um, with my first partner. Um, I was about 19 at the time and we'd been exploring some kind of kinky stuff. And and we saw this 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 BDSM thing that people were talking about. And there was there were workshops on it on the on the program for this event. And I remember just looking at my partner and going, there are others. (laughs) This is a thing. Um, which was, which sounds really silly, but it was kind of this astounding realization for me as a teenager that actually this is normal and a lot of people are into this and that's fine. Um, so, um, but, but to answer your original question, yeah, it's massively beneficial mental health wise. I mean, sometimes if I'm feeling very kind of vulnerable or something, the sort of sense of protection and nurturing that comes from bottoming or submitting to someone is really really healing um and also it's a way to kind of explore and work out um traumas and triggers in a safe environment really and sometimes it's just really cathartic and sometimes it just takes me out of my head which is sometimes just something that will pull you out of your head and just ground you in your body is so valuable and that's kind of what kink is for me I, I feel very much the same way. Um, I know I'm uh, very big into impact play. Yeah. And it just is this most amazing feeling to uh, have someone have control of you, but also know that you get to control the situation as a bottom. Uh, yes. And, and, and having that trust that they'll keep you safe. Yes, absolutely. Um and I know generally when I've played, it's been where there's other people around too. So there's also that reinforcement of this is a community that's safe. And even if this particular partner isn't, you know, being safe or there's a mess up in a scene, there are other people there that can help, that can keep them accountable, that... Um, you know, are enjoying watching you enjoying what's happening. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's just so cool. Yeah. It's very good. It's very, very good. Um, And I know like with chronic pain too, it's really this interesting thing of how um, I, at um, Polly Dallas in July, I was at a party with some friends and one of them, after um, watching me take part in impact play, just kind of looked at me and was like, you're a little pain slut. (laughs) 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 And it was such an interesting idea. Like I have it on a sticky note on my desk in front of me (laughs) because I want to write a post about it. But it's like, it's so interesting to go from being that person who's in pain all the time to also being that person who is inviting consensual pain. Yes, and that is and, and that aspect is fascinating to me. 
um, one of my uh, one of my metamors, my uh, secondary partner's primary partner, um, wrote this stunning guest post for me um, all about um, life as a disabled kinkster and consensual pain versus non-consensual pain, and it was just spectacular. I'm gonna have to go read that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, remind me after we're done recording, and I'll send you a I'll send you a link. But um, yeah, it was amazing. That's fantastic. I um, there is a person who lives on your side of the pond, which is just like another reason to want to come visit. Um, <laughs> named Emma Shepherd, um, and she works in higher ed, like in in a university setting. She's actually done a couple of presentations on chronic pain and BDSM. Oh, amazing. And what people get out of it. So I'll, I'll send you the link to um, one of her things that I use in almost all the workshops that I give, too. Because it's so fascinating to, like, have someone actually, like, academically studying this. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to link swap when we're done recording, definitely. <laughs> Which sounds like a swinger thing. <laughs> <laughs> Put your laptops in a bowl and pick pick a new laptop and <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> How do you find navigating partners partners? Um, I've mostly been pretty lucky with that, um, in that the people I date tend to have excellent taste in other people. Um, there's been a few times in the past, um, there was a, a metamore who I clashed very badly with, um, when I was quite new to, um, non-monogamy, but I, I think, and, and obviously, you know, I was on a massive learning curve and I did not do everything perfectly and they did not do everything perfectly. But actually I think a lot of the responsibility there was actually placed on our shared partner who I don't want to quite say played us off against each other, but I mean, kind of, Mm -hmm. um, which is very problematic, but, um, honestly, no, I mean, in recent years I've been, I've been really lucky. Um, the last um, person that my partner dated um, for a while, I got on really well with to the point that we ended up all of us having sex together, which was great. Um, and now my partner's started dating someone who I've only met once so far in real life, but I've talked to online and I really like. Um, and my uh, my secondary's um, nesting partner is a very, very good friend of mine and at this point we we bonded really really quickly I've never clicked with a metamore like that before um and now we're very close as well which is lovely um so maybe I've just been lucky I don't know but mm, it's always been kind of fine in the main that's wonderful <laughs> like I I have uh heard some stories of other people having more difficult times so that's always something that I think about um yeah it's a real difficulty because you have to kind of not only find someone who's right for you but also someone whose other partners are mm -hmm. right for you or at least who you don't horribly clash with yeah and that always seems like it could could get difficult um not that I think that is necessarily the norm or anything like that but 
it's just something that I keep thinking in the back of my head. So <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something to bear in mind because it does happen. Um, and but then again, I mean, when it, when it comes to me getting into a relationship with someone, I have a fairly stringent vetting process at this point, which we, we, that sounds awful, and I don't I don't mean it like that. But I mean, there's there's sort of certain things that are deal breakers for me and like if their partner won't talk to me at least to say hi yes I'm really on board with this um that's a really big red flag um and if they have things like veto agreements where their partner can just tell them to break up with me and they will then mm, deal breaker no um because I've been in relationships like that I was in a relationship for five years with someone whose wife had a had a veto and um didn't use it, but there was always this kind of threat that they could. Mm. And you, you can't ever feel safe in that kind of environment. Um, when you feel like some so a third party could just get rid of you at any second. That's really uh, kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was really strange. And when we first got together, I kind of thought, okay, fine, they've been together for all this time, and it's a new relationship, and that's fine. But after several years, I was I, I think I think at one point I said to him, like, is there actually a statute of limitations on this? Like, is there a point at which you would no longer accept a veto? Mm. And he said, no, 20 years down the line, if she vetoes you, you're gone. Wow. And which really should have been the point that I walked away. Um, I was very young is my only defense to that one. Um, but yeah, so things like that are very, are very problematic. And those are the kind of questions that I ask really early on. Um, but. No, I just, generally speaking, I get a vibe from people pretty quickly, and it's always been mostly fine. Cool. That, I, I think <laughs> more, that's more luck than judgment, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's good for people to, to hear and to see and know exists. Yes. Um, just because of all the horror stories I've heard, so... Hmm. Oh, there are there are some horror stories. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're you're putting my anxious mind at ease, so that's always good. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you? What's your favorite kind of thing to write about? Like, do you have a favorite? Do you prefer writing erotica, or do you really like writing about I don't know teenage vampires or something? Like, is there? <laughs> Is there anything that you really just absolutely love to write about? Um, I've never written about teenage vampires, although maybe I should. Maybe um, should. No, um, I actually find erotica really hard to write, which is weird because my my background before I started sex writing was mostly in fiction specifically. Um, but no, I, I, I enjoy writing erotica, but I find it really difficult in a way that I can only do it for sort of a short space of short burst of time. And then I have to go and do something else or it just fries my brain. Um, I, th I think because there's so much, the, I, I feel a lot of sort of pressure from myself in that regard to get it right, because there is so much bad erotica out there. Um, I recently taught a workshop on, um, erotica writing 101. And part of what we did in the workshop was just read examples of really bad erotica and laugh about them. Um, I, I did not pull out a passage from Fifty Shades, although I wanted to. It's <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. Um, but no, in terms of the stuff I really love writing, um, I love writing the kind of advice-focused pieces, I think, more than anything. Um, the sort of how to 
do X, Y, Z in your relationship. I'm working on a post at the moment, um, which has just been uh, commissioned by a new um, a new client, which is a toy company. And it's all about um, how to talk about bringing sex toys into your sexual relationship with a partner, if you've never done that before. Oh, so <laughs> and I think what yeah, and I think what I love about stuff like that is I'm basically writing the sex advice that I wish I'd had when I was in my late teens and early 20s. Yeah. Um, so that's really fun. And I really enjoy the, just the kind of personal essays as well. So the, the ones where I just sort of get to go, I have an opinion about this thing and put that out there. <laughs> it is really cathartic, isn't it? Yes. To know that you have a space of the internet where you can just do that. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. It, yes, it really is. And it's, and it's very fun. That's really cool. I, I really like kind of those opinionated pieces too. Um, yeah. And sometimes there's that moment of, Oh, should I really put this out there? Um, there was a piece I wrote last year about, um, hierarchical relationships in non-monogamy and how I think actually having kind of a primary secondary structure is fine as long as everyone's not being a dick to each other um and I, I really thought I was going to get flamed a lot for that one um I didn't surprisingly the people who disagreed with me disagreed with me very respectfully which is fine um but I had a few moments of should I put this out there or is this just gonna blow up if I do and there's been that with a few pieces but ugh, touch wood none of them have blown up so far <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully things are calm and people are able to disagree like adults yes yes hopefully i can i can deal with people telling me i'm wrong and disagreeing with me i just want them to be respectful about it yeah um i think especially here in the u.s we do not uh know how to do that very well yes (laughs) and i think And I think it's particularly a problem on the internet because people forget that there's a person at the end of the, uh, on the other end of the computer, so to speak. People forget that they're actually talking to a human being and, and they they feel like they're just screaming into this faceless void that doesn't have feelings, which is, I think, what leads to so much of the flaming that goes on online. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's, it's an interesting balance, I think, between people who you know may actually have a reason to call someone out on something and then people who just really like being an asshole yes and there's so many assholes oh so many (laughs) i mean that's that's basically what twitter is it's like six good people and a bunch of assholes (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) it's um I think it's especially interesting to navigate as a blogger, right? Because people see us in one of two ways. It's either they see us as some sort of um, expert on something that, like, we should know better, those kinds of things. Or they see us, like, almost like someone would see a flea. Like, we're just some small annoying thing. Yes. And it's really interesting to me how much people on either side of that react the same <laughs> yeah it's it, it, it is it's fascinating um and the, the whole the whole idea of people thinking that 
bloggers or you know writers about this stuff or whatever should be experts in all of it and we should be infallible and never make mistakes is a lot of pressure really yeah it really is um I mean the people who you know read my stuff and love my my work and stuff I have this kind of ongoing low-level fear of saying something wrong and making them realize that I'm actually just kind of bumbling my way through and don't really know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. Uh, I suppose that's imposter syndrome all over though isn't it yeah it really is but I gotta tell you almost everyone I know deals with that same feeling whether it's you know someone who's extremely big and has 13,000 Twitter followers or someone just starting out yeah I think it's hard to remember that um deals with it yeah very much so yeah and I think there's this beautiful thing that like one of my teachers in school said at one point is that um you know no one's normal everyone's weird and we're all just learning yes like that's that's all being an adult is is it's just this continuous learning process Mm-hmm. And I think if we learned more how to set proper boundaries and how to communicate like adults with people, yes, um, a lot. And that's what so much. Of, that's what so much of the advice I give comes down to. Yeah. Um, people who write to me and ask me questions and want advice and stuff. So much of it just boils down to communicate, talk to each other, talk to your partner use your words yeah I appreciate that's hard because it is hard um but that's the answer to so many problems it really is especially relationship problems yeah you know you can't you can't improve or grow as a couple or individually if if you're not communicating about things yes it just doesn't work. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. <laughs> and, and I think it's just good life advice, right? Like, I grew up without any boundaries in my home. And so now that I set boundaries, uh, people who knew me before and who know me now kind of get a little, uh, they, they don't like it that much. <laughs> because they're used to being able to walk all over you and now they can't. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that yes. Uh-huh. I I understand that. <laughs> I I always used to be the yeah, I could do that or oh no, I know you didn't mean to be an asshole kind of person and I am not now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure is a much better and healthier way for you. Oh, it really is. The amount of uh energy that I'm putting into things that don't really give me any return emotionally or monetarily or physically or whatever um has just gotten so much better yep 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 much relate (laughs) (laughs) i have a feeling we have very similar backgrounds (laughs) it seems that way yeah and that's what i love about this world as well is just meeting other people who kind of understand this stuff and yeah who get it which is which is part of what I love about this world it's amazing it really is and I think it's so cool to think about there's like 
what, like seven mil billion, sorry, seven billion people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And like because of the internet, because of being in a specific niche, like people who have had very similar experiences have been able to find each other and like interact and grow together and all of that good stuff. It's like yes. it, it gives me Yeah, it gives sorry. me chills. Mm. For all the problems with the internet, that is a huge benefit that I don't see any other way to really replicate. Yeah. Um, I mean, the you know the amazing people that I've met and spoken to and talked to as a result of the sex blogosphere online is just astounding. And now, you know, some of my best and closest friends are people I've met through this world. I mean, most of my most of my close people at this point are you know, either kinksters or swingers or poly or sex writers or somehow involved in that world, you know? Yeah. And I'm just so grateful to this community for giving us all the ability to connect in that way. It is really lovely. Yes. And I I also think it's cool to see how much we can all come together to accomplish things. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, definitely. You know, getting people to conferences or raising money for surgeries or anything like that. Like, we really come together. Oh, it's amazing. It's have you seen the, um, on, that, on that subject, have you seen the Smutathon project that I, that I created? I did not. I would love to hear more about that. Um, so it's a, it was an idea that came to me last year at three o'clock in the morning as my best ideas so often do. Um, and I thought, what if we did a writing marathon for charity? So I got a few sex bloggers together and a couple of my, um, a couple of my blogger friends in London ended up hosting it in their, in their flat, which was really lovely. And we got together and we just did this intense writing session for 12 hours Um shared all the work on our blogs and sort of tweeted it out and social media and all of that sort of stuff and asked people to sponsor us for it. Um, and we raised £2,000 for our two charities last year. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, so last year we split it between um, a Rape Crisis England and Wales and uh, an organisation called Backlash, who um, they they basically campaign for changes in legislation and um, and provide legal support and things around uh, sexual freedom. So be- because I don't know, I don't know quite what the laws are like in the US. It's probably very similar, but there's a lot of, a, a, I mean, a lot of kink in particular falls within gray areas legally, mm-hmm. even when there is complete informed consent. And um, in particular, um, a lot of kinky porn. So there's a lot of things that are perfectly legal to do. But if you take a picture of it, then it becomes illegal, Mm. which is bonkers. Um, And there's this whole awful um, act that they're trying to push through Parliament called the Digital Economy Bill, which will require people to put in their credit card details and personal info to gain access to porn, which is obviously a huge data protection issue huge privacy issue so anyway backlash um fight all of that um and then we just did it again um this year 
uh, we just did it like a, a few weeks ago for the second time. And um, this time we hired out a big Airbnb and made a bit of a weekend of it. It was really good fun. Um, and we um, we did it for um, the abortion support network this time in in honor of the uh, repeal the eighth campaign that you probably heard about that went on in Ireland a few months ago. Yeah. That is so uh, cool. Yeah. And that that was just like the power of this community. Like I just had this idea and went who's on board with this and because so many people went for it and shared it and retweeted it and donated to it we could actually do something pretty amazing that's absolutely fantastic and i love that you chose the repeal the eighth charity uh for this year because who um for for people who don't know the history of getting access to abortion in a lot of countries is awful, but it's especially terrible in Ireland. Um, there's this really good episode of a podcast called Mens Rea that actually talks about um, some of these issues, and I'll link to that in the show notes, but it's, uh, it's scary. As scary as um, a lot of us in the U.S. feel our future might be, um, around reproductive health and reproductive rights yeah it's not great anywhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's really scary it's really really scary um and even though the eighth amendment was overturned in ireland no one really knows how long it's going to take for that to actually be pushed through in in a practical sense and um in northern ireland it's still illegal to access abortion still carries a prison sentence to access abortion in northern ireland and yeah it's just it's so fucked up so we wanted to do what we could which was you know just our little way of trying to help that's fantastic and i think it's it's also great to um use the community for that and to not only be able to donate and uh you know, kind of increase awareness about that issue, but also do it as a team. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. Yes. And it was, and it was really fun. And it was this, it felt really kind of powerful to get this community together and, and do something. It was, it was very good. Yeah. This just means I need to come visit you next year. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you should come to Eroticon. Have you, have you been? I what have about- not. It's so good. It's so you know about it, right? Vaguely. Yeah, it, it's um, it's in London. It's run by Molly Moore and Girl on the Net, um, and it's it's just so good. It's just a great weekend. Um, just all these sex positive creatives, writers, bloggers, vloggers, podcasters, porn performers, just all get together, and it's amazing. You should come. I absolutely should. I need to do this. <laughs> I'm yes. putting it on my to do list for next year. <laughs> And clearly getting here is expensive, um, which is, you know, in reverse. The only reason that I haven't been to Warthol yet is I just, the, the airfare is just so crazy expensive. It's really bad. <laughs> but uh, one of these years I will make it. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to like collect funds for you. We can do a fundraiser to get like across the ponders this way. <laughs> yes. Oh, that would be awesome. And for you to get to London. Absolutely. I, um, I've i got a lot of friends, actually, throughout the UK. So it's 
always been this thing of like I know I need to go and I need to like <laughs> spend time and visit people <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm also like the nerdiest podcast listener um I have <laughs> this podcast that I listen to called the British History Podcast okay yeah and it's almost up to episode 300 and I'm only on like episode 90 of listening but you know it just goes uh through the history of England and um talks about Ireland a little bit and Scotland as well um and and he like sets aside episodes to specifically talk about whales and things like that it's absolutely fantastic oh fantastic yeah it's also a really great and easy one to fall asleep to which that's why I'm only on <laughs> the early episodes. Yeah. Oh, so you want to come and see all these things for real that you've been hearing about? Yeah, exactly. Before they start crumbling or get uh, annihilated or something. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I just, to come hang out in, like, London and bring, like, my Doctor Who stuff and yes. be that nerd would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, I I got to meet uh, David Tennant and Alex Kingston a couple years ago. Um, oh wow, amazing! Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I I took a picture with them that I have proudly hanging on my wall. Um, and then were they nice in real life? Were they friendly? They were so friendly. Um, <laughs> I think Alex was getting really tired. Yeah. I'm probably kind of annoyed because I would bet more people go gaga over David versus her, which is unfortunate because she's also amazing. Yes. Um, but I wound up being able, somebody couldn't stay until um, David's autograph signing. So I wound up being able to buy her like autograph signing pass. And oh. I went and I got like his autograph and he was like, Hello, Kirsten, and like in his amazing accent, which I just every time I think about it, I kind of melt a little bit. <laughs> but there's this, um, there's this amazing episode of great performances um, that airs on our public broadcasting network here. Mm -hmm. That's actually um, David playing Hamlet with Patrick Stewart as the uncle? Yes. Yes, that that was a thing that happened, which I sadly did not get to see, but that is a thing that happened. Oh, it is so fantastic. Mm. Um, I wonder... I'll have to find the link and send it to you to see if it works for you. Yes. Um, because it's, like, my favorite thing to watch. I only watch it in very specific, like, headspaces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially also because it's, like, three hours long. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, to sit down with a glass of wine and, like, watch these two amazing actors who I just absolutely adore both of them <laughs> do, like, my favorite play is just... Yeah, that's very good. That's a very, very nice thing to, thing to do. It is. It is. Um... Do you have anything that you want to plug before we go to our questions at the end here? Oh, gosh. Um, I guess just the blog, really. Just um, coffeeandkink.me. Um, 
read the blog, read the posts, see what you think, have an explore. Um, I guess my Patreon as well, which um, I'm desperately trying to revamp at the moment because it's just not quite taken off in the way that I wanted it to. Um, so I think maybe I'm just not offering the right perks or something. I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, it's just patreon.com slash coffee and kink. Um, oh, uh, I have merch now too. I just remembered I have merch. So sorry. Yes, I have things to plug. I have merch. Um, so if you go to, and I'm double checking the link here to make sure it's right. Um, do, 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 do. Of course, this is a really good time for my internet to stop working. Um, yes, it's coffeeandkink.me slash merchandise hyphen shop. Um, I'll send you the link again if you want. But um, yeah, uh, my my secondary partner is an artist and did all the did all the artwork for me. So now I have really cool um, like pin badges and T-shirts. And one of my favorite one is a picture of a uh, of a, like a magic wand vibrator, and it says "Love of my life." Oh my god, <laughs> this is amazing! And I have uh, you found it? And I have consent is sexy, and I have fueled by coffee and inappropriate thoughts, um, all this good stuff. So, um, and it's ordered just through Redbubble, and any kind of profits from that obviously help me to keep the blog going. So, um, yeah, anyone who who wants to show their their kinky love should head on over there and check out my new merchandise store. I love it so much. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, I'm literally going okay. When I get paid next week, I'm gonna get that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can get them on coffee mugs and t-shirts and bags and notebooks and all of that kind of stuff. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! Everybody has to go look at it. Holy cow, I love it. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so let's go into these final questions. Yes. What is your favorite curse word or like curse word replacement? Like some some people say like oh golly gee instead of. <laughs> um, my favorite curse word is cunt. Oh, it's good. It's a good one. Um, because I love it as a. I, I mean, it, it's like my favorite word to use for my genitalia. Um, because it just is I think it's a great word and I like kind of the idea of reclaiming it because I don't know if it's the same in the US but in the UK it's considered like pretty much the worst curse word you can say the worst thing you can call someone mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of fucked up um, so I like reclaiming it so yes my favorite curse word is cunt I love it I <laughs> um, I was taught growing up that yeah absolutely cunt was not a word that we were allowed to say it was worse than fuck like the the worst curse word to end all curse words <laughs> i just don't do also have to talk about the fuck. yeah like it's it's just another word for pussy like yeah um i always like when i'm listening to or watching australian things and they're like what's up mate you being a cut and i'm like oh yes <laughs> That is exactly like maybe not maybe it's a little far, but <laughs> No, it's a great word. It's fantastic. It really is. Um what is your like favorite thing to do for yourself for self care when if you're stressed out or anxious and you just need 
to kind of pamper yourself? Um, this is going to be a very stereotypical writer answer, um, but reading. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I, if I really need some kind of self-care time, just curling up with, you know, either a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and a book or a magazine and just reading and losing myself in that is kind of my favorite, my favorite self-care. Um, I'm also a big fan of naps. Oh, yes. Just taking a nap sometimes is the answer to all of life's problems. Right? Like naps and books go yep. together so well, too. That is how I feel. Um, but yes, coffee, wine, books, uh, naps, um, chocolate, cake, Ooh, yeah. all those things. <laughs> I'm down with chocolate cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just merge them together. I love it. Yes. Um, what is your favorite thing about yourself? It could be like a personality trait or, um, if you really like your eyes or however you, um, you know, kind of pick your favorite thing. Okay. Um, this is a really interesting one to ask me on a high anxiety day. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> I'm kind of going, oh, I don't know, but no, I, I like it cause it's forcing me to think about it. Um, I guess personality trait wise, I'm going to say my work ethic. Um, I, I feel like I'm very much the kind of person who, if I want to do something, I will just go for it and I will do it. Um, so, I mean, at the moment I'm working full time and I'm also running the blog part time and I'm trying to go back to school and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, that I think my determination to just get stuff done and get on with it. Yeah. Um, and also I have really good boobs. I mean, Just kind of, uh, also the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boobs help. Boobs yeah. really help. Uh, I, I love that you like your determination. I think that's fantastic. I think it's also a pretty good writer answer too. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think for those of us who are, you know, self-employed or partially self-employed and trying to do this part time, it's just, you have to have that really to, to make the hustle work because it is, it is a hustle and it's a lot of work. And sometimes, sometimes there's days where I really don't want to do it. Sometimes there's days where I really just want to lie on the sofa and watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do, I do appreciate that about myself. It's fantastic. It's, um, I think it's something that a lot of people don't appreciate about themselves at all sure yeah especially if you know there's the idea that we're workaholics because we push too much or or those kinds of things when in reality it's you know what we need to do to get all of the things on our plate done yeah yeah it's just it's just what I've got to do to hit my goals so I do it it's a good answer I'm gonna keep that one in mind next time someone asks me (laughs) (laughs) Um, Amy, thank you so much for being here, and I really had a delightful time talking with you today. Um, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. It was really fun, right? I I really love talking to random people. Not that you're a random person, but like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and it's just such a fantastic way, I think, to get to know people better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Wasn't that call so fun? We had a blast talking to Amy, and I'm really grateful that she came on the show. 
Uh, make sure to check the show notes for links that she and I talked about. And definitely check out her Patreon, which is patreon.com slash coffee and kink. Um, she's doing a lot of cool stuff and working to get Patreon a little bit more active. So it'll be a fun space to support her and, um, you know, get some perks too. That's what Patreon's about. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to try to stick to that every other week schedule that I was hitting on earlier this year, which means the next day an episode will be released should be September 20th. Um, I currently don't have any plans for that show. I probably will um, talk about something that's current eventish around then, and that might be recapping my my fun time um, the Sunday before speaking at Smitten Kitten and spending time with friends um, in Minneapolis. I'm really excited because I get to meet a new friend. Um, and she'll be recovering from surgery, getting her new plastic fancy vagina, and I'm very, very excited. Um, I'm talking about Riss McCool, who has a bajillion podcast, but one is called The Sister Getting Out of Hand, and it's just, mm, Riss is just a fantastic person, and I'm so excited to get to go see her and wish her well in her recovery. Um... It's really nice to find podcasty pals, especially when you live relatively close and have a lot of common and you're able to really make some cool connections. So I'm super excited. Of course, my Parkway pizza. (laughs) I'm really excited about my pizza too. (laughs) It's like a week and a half away and I'm already like looking at stuff like, hmm, what pizza do I want? This is the kind of person you're listening to ramble on a podcast. Um, I wish I had better thoughts on how to end shows. I did really good for a while there, and now it's just kind of... With all that said, it is um, Wednesday evening. I have to go do my daily shot of Kinneret slash Anna Kinra biologic so that I can hopefully get some sleep later tonight and uh give my joints a break from all the rainy weather we've been having here in Madison and the flooding that's been going on um I am not really hit by it um we live in a good spot of the city where we're not um getting flooded and all of that good stuff but It's still making things an interesting adventure. (laughs) Um, Until our next adventure together, make sure that you are taking care of yourself, you're setting good boundaries, and most of all, that you're having fun. Chronic Sex is produced every two weeks by me, Kirsten Schultz. I use music from Pottington Bear because they're awesome. You can find show notes and more over at chronicsex.org. If you're enjoying listening to the show, please subscribe, and that way you won't miss a single episode. 
you're on iTunes, it'd be really chill if you take a minute to rate the show too. Not only does it give me great feedback, but it also helps the podcast get seen by people who may not know it exists. And that's pretty cool. You can support us over at patreon.com slash chronic sex. As always, you can find links to everything at chroniccex.org from social media accounts to resources to sex toy reviews and more. Until next time, please take care of yourself and remember that you are a freaking badass. <laughs>